Stream the show on demand at KetchikanRadio.com. Hey everyone, happy Monday. Michelle here with the Ketchikan Chamber. It's Business Matters Monday right here on First City Forum. Hope you had a great weekend. Lots of stuff happening and... First cruise ship arriving this week. What a welcome thing back to the community. And I read in the editorial in the Catch Can Daily News, and I can't remember the date, uh, so forgive me, but at one point this summer, six ships in town, it's going to be 17,000 plus people in town on a single day. So as every Monday, first up, we've got Dave Steering from the governor's office. How's it going, Dave? Well, happy, uh, what? start of cruise season is that uh, is that what we call it yeah that's what that's what i'm gonna call it and there's also what i thought was really interesting there were like five or six brand new ships to the market that are scheduled to come this summer so uh pretty interesting stuff it, it should be a lively summer i know a lot of people around catch as well as the whole state for that matter have really been waiting for this tourism season like we've always known to kind of kick back off and inject some life into the economy yeah, you know, I I guess the um uh the the Norwegian Cruise Line's largest ship in the fleet, did I read that right, is is docking in Juneau here in the next uh 2 or so hours. And right now they, there's not a firm count on on the 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 number of passengers uh just because we you know, it they, nobody knows for sure. I, I, I guess. I guess uh, KTOO is is reporting this. Um, some cruise lines are operating at seventy percent max capacity. Some at thirty. Uh, some, whatever, whatever. But I, I, I think realistically, when you compare what we've what we've seen over the past two years to what the state of Alaska, especially Southeast, is looking at this season. It, it will never make up what was lost, but we certainly won't have another summer like we had last year. Well, exactly, and uh, and I believe it was that same KTOO uh, article that I that I read. Uh, the gentleman from CLIA was predicting that overall it would it would start off with lower percentages of occupancy aboard the ships to begin the season, but overall the entire season they were expecting uh, to be somewhere around 2018 or 2019 levels. Oh, that's that. That's good. Oh, I think that would be outstanding. And you know, there's always folks in the community, uh, as in every community, there are not necessarily happy about that. But you know, as the executive director at the Chamber of Commerce, I kind of hear from a wide swath of businesses all over the island, and this is this is very very welcome. Uh, you know, people have had to be scrappy, creative, uh, and everything under the sun to keep their businesses afloat until what I call this week the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and, and it's, so Alaska domestically for the United States is the number one destination. I mean, there, there, are, there are cities that have a lot of, of departures and returns, but, but Alaska is the destination for 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 the U S. So, um, our our economy is, is is especially southeast, but frankly across the state is built on people who don't live here coming to see the state. 
you know, ho- hopefully folks who don't cruise but come overland will will be able to, to increase that frequency now. I, I don't know what the, for example, either the projected RV bookings are or RV travel plans are through Canada. But the, the isolation that COVID and, frankly, Canadian restrictions placed on this state, I mean, not even Hawaii. Hawaii imposed a lot of, a, a lot of self-induced isolation, right? They, they closed resorts. They closed restaurants. They, they made pre-testing, post-arrival testing, quarantining, all of these things uh, mandatory where, uh, you know, as soon as we could – um, late April, early May of, of 2020, uh, we, we argued that the best way to, to beat this virus was to be outside, was to be healthy, and uh, specifically in 2021, in which a lot of those restrictions were federally induced. We, we here in the state didn't. Some communities had some requirements. That most certainly is their right. But 2022, I think, is going to be reflective of people just saying enough already. Because you, you cannot look back. You never get time back, right? How do, you, how do you recover the, boy, I really wish we would have gone to Alaska when we you know, didn't have mobility challenges, when we were realistically in pretty good shape? And, and I think a lot of Americans, frankly, a lot of people around the globe, are looking at themselves after being locked up, cooped up, and not going anywhere for nearly two years, going, am I really going to die uh, without taking the trips I wanted to take, without seeing the things I wanted to see, and not, not doing the things that I wanted to do? And Alaska, I think, is in a great spot to capitalize on that. I couldn't agree more. And, and I've long said that I think one of the most interesting things about this upcoming season will be that independent traveler who's not utilizing a cruise ship. So CLIA, as I mentioned, is anticipating 2018-2019 passenger levels, uh, again, going slowly into it. But in 2021, because of the progressiveness of our state in terms of opening uh, things up, you know, Alaska is open, great media campaign by the governor, uh, independent travelers really took advantage of it and realized that, hey, it's not uh, too difficult to necessarily get here. Uh, You know, Seattle to Anchorage on a flight, Seattle to catch can certainly is a real quick flight and people are saying wow you know i can i can go on my own and so i think especially now with what's happening over in asia especially with the politics and and the unknowns over in europe right now uh and some other places around the globe people are going to say yeah you know what uh i think i'm maybe i'll go to alaska this year and it'll so be interesting to see what the final atia uh uh traveler numbers are for the independent traveler around the state. But what I'm hearing here locally from local lodges and other folks who cater to those independent travelers that bookings are incredibly strong, incredibly strong. In fact, some of our members have had to open up uh, what we would call shoulder months in order to accommodate because they sold out so early. Yeah, so, and and I think everybody, everybody that that has... um, uh, wanted to travel, whether to Alaska or, frankly, anywhere else over the past couple years. We're all, we're all monitoring uh, deals and, and travel options. I mean, my, our, my 27th wedding anniversary is in the fall, and, and so we're, we're looking at uh, different places and, and destinations 
um, out, outside of the state, uh, the bourbon tour is something that uh, I, I think we may do. Uh, hit, hit a few of those places in in Kentucky and and uh, Tennessee, and it, it's. Alaska is leading the wave on this. We don't have professional sports teams. We don't have. We're not. We're not currently a major convention destination like Vegas. We're an experience destination. We we coming to Alaska is a visceral, emotional experience. And, and I think when you look at the bookings, like like you mentioned, or on the, on the cruise lines, expecting a record year. The biggest challenge that your members and frankly every business across the state and across the country has is people. There is just not enough workers to help supporting demand. And that there, there is no magic wand. There is no quick fix. Uh, it, it is not if, if Alaskans just knew about these jobs, they'd take them. Clearly, that's not the case. There's, there's no secret that Alaskan businesses are hiring. And so we're, we're from a workforce development in this weird spot that – we, the state, the, the private sector, we, we got to start poaching workers from outside the state of Alaska. Indeed. And that goes back to what we were talking about before, um, about the housing situation around the state. Uh, that continues to be a difficulty. I know Ketchikan right now, uh, the chamber, but mainly driven by Grow Ketchikan, which is an economic development nonprofit that is now housed inside the chamber offices. Uh, but we have started investigating, you know, really rolling forward with housing issues, as well as the, the Ketchikan Gateway Borough is put, kind of put this on the front burner. Like, we, we got to do something. we got to do it now. Because you can attract the people, but if you can't find them a place to live, then it becomes a problem because they're going to move on elsewhere. Yes. I mean, yeah. I've so got to be honest with you. It's never been my dream to work in Nebraska. Well, oops, isn't that where you're from? Yes. I'm sorry. Hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I grew up in Ohio. No one says, oh, my gosh, it's my dream to work in Ohio. Exactly. Exactly. Just doesn't so happen. It, 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 part, of, part of the lure that, that we have is, is, is and, and it, it's, the, it's this sense of adventure. I mean, it's how the state was founded. And I think we as a, a society, you know, people who moved to Alaska decades ago, whether it's pre-statehood in the early stages or even, even you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, you, you have to have a sense of adventure. You have to be willing to, to put yourself out there. You, you, can't, you can't work in Alaska from your couch or kitchen table. You need to be here, and 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 I I firmly believe that that sense of of adventure still exists with with people of all social economic strata. They just uh, need sort of a a whether it's a bridging or landing pad for people to understand. All right, I want to I want to relocate. I want to live in Alaska. How, how do I do this exactly? And and I I think that's that's something that both the, the private sector and and the state can have a hand in. No, no, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like that, that that's really important. You know, here in Ketchikan, I'm sure this is, it's not isolated only to Ketchikan, but here, you know, the seasonals, the, the that's what they call themselves, the seasonals, you know, there are so many that I know of that came here 
so many people that are so involved in the community that came here to work for a summer for blah, 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 whatever tour, whatever it was. And now they've moved on and they're doing other things, started their own businesses, and they're just got their fingers in all sorts of things around the community uh, in terms of, uh, you know, just making Ketchikan a really great place to live. And they, they stay because they really enjoyed that, that first adventure for sure. But I agree with you, you know, uh, finding the personnel right now is a huge challenge, number one challenge that, that I'm hearing. Uh, you know, now we've, we got to the finish line financially, you know, it's going to start looking up. Uh, but now people are the, uh, are the major problem. And that's exactly why uh, on our new website, well, on our website, we have a new portion uh, for members to post their job listings. And I got that idea from the Prince of Wales Chamber of Commerce. And so she and I put our head together. So we have our job listings on our website that members can just, it's real quick and easy. They just, this is what I'm looking for. And then there's a link to the Prince of Wales job listings underneath that. And then vice versa on their side, they've got the exact same thing going with a link to our job listings because our, our island communities go back and forth so much. It's almost like they are the same community. Oh, yeah, yeah, it. I, I wish I could call in and you and I could could uh, talk about, you know, a plan that works for everybody and a finish line on the horizon for, uh, you know, a flood of, of new workers into the state. I'm not calling to do that today. No, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And do you at the at the state level? I'm sure you do. But uh, you monitor these kind of trends, you know, in travel and so on and so forth. I and how that's going to kind of parlay into the budget. No, I'm sorry, you cut out. What was that? The, are you? Do you kind of keep an eye on those those travel levels? Um, I mean, I know we don't have a state sales tax, but do you kind of keep an eye on on those travel levels levels at, at the state government? Oh, oh, we 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 monitor visitors to the state, travelers to the state. Um, what, what's the old old song? You don't know what you've got till it's gone. And and I think whether it is it is a tourism industry or timely delivery of goods, services, and supplies to the state, you know that that's part of our motivation for enhanced food security, the supporting of the expansion of mariculture in Southeast. Uh, looking at how we can lower energy costs in some areas of the state to create a light manufacturing uh, sector, we we are we are tasked with an all of the above proposition. Where, where frankly, for decades, uh, Alaskans have probably groused about how long it takes for supplies and things to get here, but we we've never had a situation probably since the the sixty four earthquake where we, we've seen a real supply chain disruption and, and a revenue disruption like we have over the past two and a half years. So, yeah, we, we keep a very close eye on that. And I, I, think it, I think it's wise that you would. I read an interesting article that was prompted by a comment from a friend over the weekend. Um, I did not realize the sheer number of food processing, uh, poultry, I mean, you name it, potato chips, plants around the nation in the last several months that have experienced these just really weird catastrophes from fires to airplanes crashing into their plant. And they're saying that this, uh, just due to the prolific number of these plants having these these horrible things happen, that people kind of should keep an eye on that supply chain for that very reason. Yeah. Uh, if, if you didn't grow up gardening, 
and you have land, you know, a, a little bit of gardening probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't hurt you as you as you look for things to do this summer. Oh, no, I agree. And that you're giving me a perfect dovetail, um, welcoming a new member uh, to the Ketchikan Chamber, Ketchikan Evergreens. And they're really cool. Uh, They actually uh, are here. And and there's also another company who's not yet a chamber member. But, you know, they're doing the hydroponic uh, gardening inside of the containers. And um, it's monitored by Internet. And, uh, you know, they are just producing massive amounts of lettuce and spinach and greens and and all sorts of things and so i mean i really feel like you know those kind of things on the governor's task force uh that kind of should be recognized i mean there's an idea for you dave the governor's office from that task force should start recognizing these out-of-the-box ideas moving alaska forward as a state and give examples from around the state of really cool things that people are doing all right i'll add it to the list Oh, I know it's a short one. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So back to your uh, 27th anniversary, because I didn't have a, a chance to put this in there. Um, I have actually had several friends who have taken that bourbon tour. So we'll have to stay in touch because I've got uh, recommendations uh, from their personal experiences. Yes, and it comes highly, highly recommended. Oh, I, I in, in looking at, and the thing is, when you're when you're like me and you, tend to do things really, really early, there are some uh, really cool places to stay that mm-hmm. if I waited, uh, I probably wouldn't be able to get into. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that's the interesting thing is people are starting to make their travel plans much, much earlier now. Uh, another article that I read, uh, mainly in part due to they can, in many cases, get preferential pricing for booking early. But because of the pandemic, the hotels and many of the airlines have changed their cancellation policies to be, be being much more flexible. And they, and so it makes it easier to plan because even though you're six months in advance, if something comes up in a couple of months or, you know, God forbid you change your mind, you can kind of move and change direction and go another route or not go at all. Yeah, yeah, except plane tickets. So, the, we're, so we're going and because <laughs> uh, going across country. Uh, if if you overspend on plane tickets, that's less uh, bourbon you can purchase and bring back with you. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, tell I me. I can sleep on an airport floor. Yeah. I don't like to, but I can sleep on an airport floor, <laughs> floor if it means I can bring a, a couple uh, uh, bottles of Four Roses Select back with me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, got any uh, legislative session updates? Or is it, is uh, it more of the same old, same old? The, everybody should watch the Senate. Um, Senate is is working on the budget, um, and so uh, everybody should watch the the Senate and see uh, what direction they're uh, going in for things such as the the dividend and a whole host of of other uh, other items. So uh, I'll be watching uh, what the Senate does, just like everybody else. Yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. And they've got that on gavel to gavel, right? Yes. Yeah. So there you go. KTOO's gavel to gavel. Tune in, and uh, I, I mean, I will be very interesting to see how it shakes out. That's for sure. I will as well. All right. Hey, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We'll talk to you next week, Michelle. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
All right, there you have it. The always interesting and unexpected update from the governor's office. But, uh, hey, I'd much rather have that than wah, wah, wah. That kind of stuff. Lots of stuff happening at the chamber. I already mentioned the new jobs listing, and uh, that's pretty cool. People are really taking advantage of that, and I like really cross-pollinating that with our friends over on POW. Don't forget to get your tickets to the Race to Alaska Classic Raffle that the chamber has put on. You can get your tickets at catchcanchamber.com. Also, there are places around town, Frontier Shipping, the Bay Company, the Potlatch, Pacific Pride, uh... There's the list goes on. Uh, Alaska Liquor Out North. You can get a physical ticket if you want. If you buy online, make sure in the comments section that you indicate which day, time, hour, minute, and second that you think that first boat is going to arrive. And you'll take home half the pot. Getting guesses from around the state, too, which is pretty cool. And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got a guess from, I want to say it was either Nome or Kotzebue or somewhere. Like, and the guy goes, I think the first boat's going to arrive on April 22nd. I was like, uh, that might be a little early. The race doesn't even start until June 13th. And the second portion starts June 16th. So we might want to re-guess. So he's going to send me his different guess. Uh, but everyone who buys a ticket, uh, no matter you know, even if this guy doesn't give me a new guess, he's still entered to win two round-trip tickets on Alaska Airlines. So lots of summer events happening. How exciting. Lots of stuff going on. And don't forget, you know, speaking, we're talking about forward planning. Tonight, the Tongass Historical Museum, they, at 6 o'clock, they're having a virtual meeting. And they're starting to really map out the future of how um, historic Ketchikan and and how the how the that corridor will look in the future and it's open i just need to go and click on the link uh, I believe that's on the museum's website, and they will send you a link to tune in via Zoom. That's 6 p.m. tonight. And uh, forward planning? Well, it's actually not too early, not too early to start thinking about the 4th of July parade. Can you believe it? Holy smokes. Well, a lot of people have been asking me, they, uh, I don't know how to build a float. I don't know how to make, I, I'm, you know, maybe I had a trailer with a bunch of people on board, but I want to kick my, I want to pick up my float game a notch. How do I do that? Well, we're going to tell you how. May 4th at noon in the chamber offices, and you need to bring your own brown bag lunch or coffee or whatever it is. We're not going to be serving food because we're going to be talking about the coolest floats and how you can build them. This is nothing like the Rose Parade or the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. We're not, we're not doing that. We're talking about realistic things that you can build on your own. So, if you didn't know, here's the backstory on that big yellow duck float that you see every year from First City Rotary. That whole duck started as a donation from Judy Zengi at the plaza. She had an old metal frame from a giant Christmas tree that the plaza, apparently it had years and years and years ago. So she called me up and she said, you know, Michelle, I know you can do something with this. And she, we weren't thinking floats or anything. So she had Dave, her husband, bring it over to park it in my front yard. I mean, this thing is almost two stories tall. And I got to thinking, got to thinking, got to thinking. And, you know, having moved here from Tallahassee where the parades are huge and the floats are huge, I thought, you know, I'm really kind of frustrated. I think First City Rotary can do a better job with this float. So that is how the big yellow duck was born. And, uh, yeah, so that we bought a trailer from Dave Albertson, hoisted the thing up on there, and 
put some uh, ch- chicken wire around it, and we got to thinking uh, that first year we used uh, cut-up plastic tablecloths. And, well, that didn't work out one year because it was just too windy, and that necessitated a lot of litter pickup. That Nope, that wasn't cool. So then we came up with the idea. We literally went to Madison's and purchased everything that they had of spray foam insulation in the can. And sprayed that thing and sprayed it and sprayed it and sprayed it and sprayed it again. And uh, it, it's, it's turned out to be a fabulous float. And then one of the Rotarians... One of the Rotarians came up with the idea that, well, we should have a moving head on it. That was Dick Miller, you know, Dick Miller, local artist. So he came up with the idea that we should do a uh, moving head, and it's just grown. It, it always gets, you know, a little bit of an update every year to go along with the theme, which, by the way, this year, the parade theme is Destination Prosperity. So uh, that's the theme for this year's parade. Anyway, you can start looking on the uh, website beginning in May for the Grand Marshal nominations as well as the float entry forms. And then you can uh, come on May 4th free of charge to the chamber offices and learn how at noon to learn how to build your best float. So that'll be cool. Just walked in the door, Mr. Jason Medeiros, and we're talking about first aid kits today, right? Yes. All right, cool. Yeah, this is something that's really cool. Well, we were just talking with Dave from the governor's office about travel and how it's so exciting to see the cruise ships come back. And I was kind of ruminating. I was wondering, you know, if more independent travelers would come to Ketchikan this year because they can't go to places or won't go to places like Asia and Europe because... Who wants to go get in lockdown in Asia? And who wants to possibly get embroiled in a massive war in Europe? So, hey, let's go to Alaska. Besides, everyone's already gone to Mexico. But um, anyway, so we were we were talking about that. And so give the folks who don't maybe know the rundown on Just One Tourniquet. JustOneTourniquet.org. Uh, and we're redoing the website we're doing some back-end e-commerce uh, amazon affiliate stuff is basically all about the sanctity of life uh it's non-political it's it's not it's non-partisan uh this is simply an effort to get medical uh tourniquets first aid kits whatnot to places where they're needed most in the world and right now that place is in the ukraine yes and so working with, are we still working with the Florida Rotary Clubs? Yes, yes. Uh, Pat with the Florida Rotary. They, in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, they have uh, they are renting aircraft uh, jets from time to time and, and sending supplies over. Uh, through other contacts that I have, uh, we actually have direct access to a warehouse in Poland and a team that is running supplies, very brave people, that are running supplies daily uh, from Poland, uh, from a city right there on the edge of Ukraine to Lviv for distribution across the Ukraine. Right, and the and the the problem with the first aid uh, supplies and tourniquets and medical stuff over there is that they literally, I remember you telling me, went through in kind of that first wave, if you will, and bought everything out locally. I mean, yes. so there's like literally no availability. Yeah, and this is you know just one tourniquet's about solving a logistical supply problem. And if you think and you know take the partisan politics and and whatever about it and just focus on that individual life and how important life is, uh, take a look at the situation at, at the border. You know, when the border, southern border crisis uh, started happening, all the NGOs in the country immediately went to the area, which is 
very admirable. Um, but then locally, they sourced all the supplies that they needed. There's still places along the border you can't go into a gas station and get a bottle of water. Where we are very good as a country getting product. We are good at buying things. <laughs> So the whole point is, just one tourniquet, is let's turn that into an opportunity to source these types of materials and target where they're delivered versus, you know, providing disruption in communities where these things are happening uh, to alleviate some of that pain and pressure in those communities. Because all it does is it creates even more animosity to the situation and the humanitarian side of the people that are dealing with whatever situation they're dealing with. And it pushes that animosity into the local communities and it makes things difficult. So just one tourniquet is about better logistics and getting materials where they need to go yes and that is another thing that rotary is really great with when we initially started talking um you guys were looking at other avenues of you know getting this stuff over there i said no i'm telling you i i haven't seen anything specific yet but i'm telling you rotary is doing something let me figure this out and figure out who and where is doing something and all they just started crawling out of the woodwork i mean there's flights going out of chicago every single week that's where rotary headquarters is but there's tons of people and then those folks that aren't doing something what i call boots on the ground like we are uh they're you know the rotary has set up a special foundation where they people can just donate and there have been literally millions and millions and millions of dollars donated from around the globe because rotary is global anyway so we're going to do a first aid kit uh medical supply drive here locally uh target start date for that is right around may 2nd and we're going to have pickup areas in the plaza where you can drop those items off if you want to be a drop-off location your business Please feel free. That would be great. Uh, And that would be fantastic. And then we'll culminate it with a special event probably mid-May, we're thinking, right? So we're going to run it for like two weeks. Now, the kicker is this. This is the really cool thing. And I know if you have a boat, right, if you have a boat or an organization, it could be the volunteer fire departments. I'm not trying to put them on the spot. Or maybe it's just your business. You have um, some first aid kits that have expired or maybe they're older or... You know, it doesn't have to be a whole kit, does it? I mean, no, literally, no. donate everything that you don't need, don't want, or that you plan on replacing. Fishing boats would be another great one. Absolutely. And where things get a little tricky with customs is medication and gels and stuff like that. So please take those out of the kits. But if it's a, if it's a Band-Aid, if it's gauze, especially if it's a tourniquet, one of the biggest problems they're having... Uh, right now is tourniquets dealing with uh, battlefield injuries mm-hmm. uh, and these are these are the civilians these are the military these are all across ukraine because of the the uh it's hard not to to say it politely but because of the death rates and the casualty rates uh, one of the biggest Which problems the that they're having destruction yes yes i, I mean there, there, this has not been a, a targeted destruction kind of deal <laughs> No, the um, the model used by the Soviet forces is not the model that we are used to seeing in our conflicts, whether it's in Iraq or Afghanistan. 
Uh, they their model is wholesale destruction. Whether it's civilian, military, they they target everything, and they're indiscriminate indiscriminate about who they harm. That's a lot of tourniquets and a lot of band aids. So what you need to do is keep your eyes on social media. Uh, I'll be talking about it next week on the show and repeatedly every week thereafter uh, for specific locations where you can drop things off. And uh, again, anything, it doesn't have to be anything huge. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it, it, and I mean, if you want to make a monetary donation, that's cool too. Um, we'll have to figure out where that would go. Uh, the other cool thing that you are going to do, and this is what you were setting up, you, look, of course, Chamber of Commerce, I would prefer that you buy these things locally and then donate them. You know, pick up a first aid kit over at Tongas Marine or wherever, you know, uh, do that. But let's say there's none available. Let's, what if there's none available? Well, that Amazon store will come in handy. And then here's the other cool thing that you can do. That Amazon store will come in super handy because you could tell your friends who are not in Ketchikan. I've got a friend in California. My brother lives in California. I've got friends. i got friends everywhere. So I could tell all my friends through social media to hop on Amazon and check. And you know what's really weird? I This is creepy. Um, What's that? All right. So you know how every now and then Amazon will send you, uh, it's like almost a, a subject matter kind of email. Uh, it could be like, uh, hey, check out these five different TVs that are on sale. All right. So what pops up in my Gmail this morning is they're having a, a big deal. First aid kits and tourniquets. There you go. That's what we need. Well, you're the IT guy, probably because I've been, I don't know, Googling it or whatever, but <laughs> yes. I don't know. But still, um, source them locally. I mean, I know I've got stuff laying around the house. You know, could it be like an ace bandage that they had that they yeah, ab- no absolutely, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, anything medical, uh, even if, if, if the box says it's expired, because right now those things don't matter. We will rebundle it, clean it. You obviously, please don't bring something that's been sitting down in the bottom of your bilge for, for several months. Um, but don't, don't bring your bloody band-aids, please. <laughs> yes. No, no. Yeah. If, uh, but any medical supplies, you know, spo- focused on gauze pads, gauze, uh, anything that can be used in the field to treat trauma, it would be appreciated. So basically it goes like this. If you were in that situation of the Ukrainians, if you were in that situation, would you use that thing that you would donate? Exactly. If you would use it, feel free. Exactly. And and we are. Uh, I'm reaching out to uh, rescue services here in town, uh, and I've reached out to the, the Coast Guard having conversations uh, where a lot of things can't legally be used by by government and agencies because they've expired are still perfectly good to be used over there so that's perfect that's awesome so we'll try and have as many high profile locations as we can places that you normally you know would go and and do business or pass by um and we'll get those set up and that i mean i think that'll be fantastic you know you know what catch can is you never know what to expect and then you're always amazed by what happens afterwards so what a wonderful community you know when we first started talking about this on air a couple of weeks ago somebody stopped by and anonymously gave a cash donation uh, for the project Uh, and just to let folks know this is this is a a alaska nonprofit corporation that's filed in the state of alaska we are rushing through the federal 503c paperwork 
uh, and whatnot. Um, and if you do want to give a direct cash donation and, and want a receipt for it for tax purposes, we can p- provide that for you as well. We are updating the uh, justonetourniquet.org website, and it'll include instructions of the warehouse in Poland uh, that you can actually go to Amazon right now and you know change an address of where you want it delivered. And all you have to do is put in these a picture and a picture will be supplied of the instructions uh, and just tag it as a freedom delivery and uh, send it off to uh, make a purchase and send it off to the Ukraine. Nice. I love it. I love it. All right. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, folks, don't forget, put your job listings up on the website, catchcanchamber.com and put on your calendar May 4th for that parade float building workshop. All sorts of really cool stuff. So I'll see you next Wednesday. Have a great rest of your week.